Today's scripture is from James 3, 13 through 18. Please stand if able for the reading of God's word. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. We are going to be again in James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Uh, I encourage you, as I always do, to grab a Bible so that you can follow along as we make our way through this passage and see what the Lord has for us in it this morning. Uh, If you're following along in the Pew Bibles, you can find that on page uh, 1012. And uh, I do hope that you will, uh, you will follow along. We're going to be identifying things in, in the passage that um, are, are obvious but are, are, are worth meditating on and really thinking deeply about. And I always want what we believe about God and ourselves to be rooted in God's word and not someone's opinion. And so uh, as you're turning there, let me just give you a little bit of context about the book of James as a whole and give us an idea as to where we're headed this morning. So the book of James is written by James, who's the half-brother of Jesus, and he is a pillar in the church that's been established at Jerusalem. And in Acts 7, we read that there was a man by the name of Stephen who went into the temple and proclaimed the gospel, and he is considered the first martyr. He was dragged out of the city, and he was stoned, and as a result of being associated with Stephen in Christianity, many Jewish Christians were uh, forced to flee out of Jerusalem because they were facing this local persecution from the Jews. And as they were kind of pushed out of Jerusalem and found in the surrounding regions, they were marked by the weight of poverty in their lives. Uh, They experienced local ostracization and persecution and even exploitation at the hands of unbelievers. And so James, who would have been their pastor in Jerusalem, he's writing this letter Um, to those Christians as they are struggling with what it means to be a Christian and to be a follower of Jesus. And he's encouraging them, in the face of all that they're struggling with, to be shaped by their faith in Christ and not by the world around them. But the reality is, and James is is no stranger to suffering, is that he knows that living by faith in Christ and not by the values of the world around us is really a lot easier said than done. That living by faith requires wisdom, right? It requires the ability to live well in God's world, even in the face of hardship. And this is something, wisdom, something that we all need, but that we inherently lack. And this lack of wisdom, especially in the midst of struggle, it creates in us a type of desperation, a longing and a yearning for answers that would tempt us to receive counsel, to receive wisdom from anyone and anything that proclaims to have what we need. 
And I think we all know what this kind of feels like in our own lives, whether it's in the work that you do or the relationships that you have or in unique struggles that, that you have in your life that are, that are different than other people's. When you experience that sense of desperation, you are, it seems, drawn to find answers to how to live well in God's world. And on the flip side of that, what we find is that there are plenty of people that assert themselves as those who have wisdom, that want to tell you how you can live your life properly. And especially when we think about the floodgates of information that are available to us, whether through our friends or our families or through social media, podcasts, entertainment, there are a myriad of people just waiting to be asked, hey, what's the wisdom that you have that's going to help me live my life properly? And James sees this dynamic as terribly dangerous. And the reason that James sees this as incredibly dangerous with all of these voices seeking to speak into our lives is that wisdom is like money. It comes in genuine forms and it comes in counterfeit forms. And so if we're going to be shaped by our faith in Christ and not by the world around us, James is saying that we need to ask the question, as he does in verse 13, Who really is wise and understanding among you? We need to learn from James, from God's word, how to discern the difference between genuine wisdom and counterfeit wisdom. And as we dive into the passages this morning, what we're going to see is that James gives us three questions that we can bring to any wisdom that we think we have or that we're seeking from others. Three questions that help us discern whether or not that wisdom is genuine, truthful, accurate, or if it is actually counterfeit wisdom. And so as we dive into the text this morning, we're going to answer three questions. We're going to answer the question, where is this wisdom from? What is this wisdom made of, and what does this wisdom look like? And these are three questions that James says, if you ask these, you will learn how to discern the difference between genuine wisdom and counterfeit wisdom. But before we dive in, let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us through his word and to give us the wisdom that we need. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is, it is clear and that it is understandable. And that by your spirit, you illuminate our hearts to understand it. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do that now. As your word is read and as is preached, that you would be moving among us, giving us the wisdom that we need, that we find in Christ, so that we would not just live well in your world, but to have the ability to discern the difference between genuine and counterfeit wisdom, so that we would continue to be faithful in proclaiming Christ as our King, and you as our God in the world in which we live. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, so back into James chapter 3. James is going to say that we have three questions at our disposal to be able to discern the difference between genuine and counterfeit wisdom. And the first thing that he says is that we need to be asking the question, where is this wisdom from? He says, who is wise and understanding of you in verse 13? And in verse 15, he says this, verse 15 and 16. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And in verse 17, he says, but the wisdom from above is first 
pure. The first question that James wants us to ask and the answer that we find is that there is a difference in the origin of genuine wisdom from that of counterfeit wisdom. And he makes this crucial distinction in verse 15. He says that genuine wisdom comes down from above whereas counterfeit wisdom is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And this is really at the heart of what James wants us to understand. There are going to be a lot of other things that we talk about this morning, but this is really the heart of it, is understanding that the origin of wisdom is really the most important thing to know, that genuine wisdom comes from God, and that counterfeit wisdom, this might sound striking, counterfeit wisdom comes from Satan. So the idea that genuine wisdom comes from God that we see in verse 15 and in verse 17, this is, this is not a new idea to James. In fact, if we go to the Old Testament, something that James would have been super familiar with, the wisdom literature like Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Job, they all have their unique way of saying what we read in, in Proverbs chapter 2, that the Lord gives wisdom. But if you keep reading in the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, there's another really mysterious dynamic to wisdom that the apostles and James are going to pick up on in the New Testament. And here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. It says, Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates she speaks. And so in one sense, in the Old Testament, what we see is that wisdom, the ability to live well in God's world, that is something that is a gift from God. It's this kind of ability that we see in some people and that we don't see in another. But in Proverbs 1, we actually see something even more mysterious. Wisdom isn't just something that you receive. It is a person that you heed, that you hear, and that you respond to. And in the New Testament... The apostles and James pick up this idea and say that that person who is wisdom, who is crying out for those to come to her, that person is revealed and declared to be Jesus Christ himself. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the apostle Paul writes that Christ and him crucified, he uses this phrase, is the wisdom of God. And in Colossians he says that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so any genuine wisdom that we see in the world, any genuine wisdom that we receive from God is from him but through Christ. And that is the, the defining aspect of wisdom's genuine origin. And this is what James means when he says the wisdom that's from above. What he's saying is that the life of Christ that has been revealed in time, that is made available to those who are united to him by faith. Now, in stark contrast to that, what James calls counterfeit wisdom is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. It's very different than where he's been so far when talking about genuine wisdom. And James uses these three words, earthly, unspiritual, demonic, to really draw attention to its origin. That genuine wisdom comes from God through Christ, but counterfeit wisdom comes somewhere else. The word earthly, it's linked to this idea of the world. This worldly, societal system that is opposed to God, the kingdom of man, is one way that we might think about that. And this idea of unspiritual, it's linked with our flesh. 
are sinful desires that are opposed to God and his rule and his word. And the last one, and the one that James really draws attention to with how the sentence is ordered, is he says demonic. That that counterfeit wisdom's origins are actually demonic in their nature. And that's exactly what you think it means. It means that their origin is from a personal, spiritual evil that opposes God's rule. We call that person Satan. We call that person the devil. And he links this idea, James, so that we would understand and discern that counterfeit wisdom has been with us from the very beginning. We saw Satan, deceptive, churning out counterfeit wisdom in the garden, seeking to undermine God's rule through his work, seeking to encourage man's rebellion toward God, and seeking to establish a kingdom that would be opposed to God's. We saw it in the garden, and James says, you see it today as well. But why is knowing the origin of wisdom that we are looking for, that we think we have, why is that so important? So my first job when I first started working at the age of 16 was at a bank. And there was a bank on the West Coast called Washington Mutual. And my father worked there at the time. And it was really awesome for him to kind of help me get an interview. And then I was able to get this job as a teller. And one of my favorite parts of working at this bank was the training process that they took us through. And as they trained us on how to use the you know, machines that tellers use and the different software, they took us through a class on loss prevention. How to identify counterfeit currency, how to identify counterfeit IDs and counterfeit checks. And I just loved this class. And one of the things that they said in this class, and it's so important to understand, is that what ultimately matters about currency is its origin. A a genuine bill is made a genuine bill because it's backed by the United States government. It doesn't matter what it looks like. You can go to other countries and money looks different. But if it's not backed by the sovereignty of that nation, it's called counterfeit. And the reason why it's so important is that sovereign kingdoms are always seeking to eradicate counterfeit currency. There's over 100 million counterfeit bills out in the nation right now. And the government has an agency that's trying to find all of them, expose them as counterfeit, judge them as so, confiscate them, and destroy them. And the reality of this, especially as a teller, was really hitting home on a regular basis. Because do you know what happens when somebody comes into a bank with a counterfeit check or a counterfeit bill? They leave with nothing. When counterfeit bills are exposed, they're confiscated. Because the United States government does not want counterfeit bills out in the world. And over and over again, when someone unaware that they were in possession of counterfeit currency would come in, they would have $100 when they showed up at the bank, and they would be $100 poorer when they left because of what they possessed. And this should really give us pause when we think about the wisdom that we think we have in our lives or the wisdom that we're seeking. To quote Capital One, right? What is in your wallet? Right? What is the origin of the wisdom that you use to live your life, to do your work, to carry on in the relationships that you have, or to address the specific struggles that you're going through today? Is is the origin of that wisdom Christ and his work? 
he is the wisdom of God? Or is, it, is its origin the world, or your flesh, or the devil? Because this is at the heart of what James wants to communicate. That to be able to discern the difference, we need to ask the question, where is this wisdom from? And it's the first step, and really fundamental, to being able to discern the difference between genuine wisdom and counterfeit wisdom. But here's the thing. In my training at the bank, they didn't just say, know where it's from, right? Because counterfeit wisdom is designed to look like actual currency. Counterfeit currency is designed to look like counter, a real currency. So how do we discern? How do we actually live in the world and make sure that we know the difference between these? And James's second question helps us do just that. He says, not only should you ask, where is it from? You need to be asking, what is it made of? What is this wisdom made of? He says in verse 13 and 14, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast and be false to the truth. The, the way in which we discern the difference is by knowing what it is made of. One of the ways that you can discern the difference between counterfeit bills and legitimate bills, genuine bills, is through what's called a dry mark pen. And you may have seen these at a bank or you may have seen them at a retail store. And, and what happens is when you receive money, you mark those bills. And if they turn a particular color, it indicates that it's genuine. And if they turn another color, it indicates that it is counterfeit. And the reason that this dry mark works is because those uh, genuine bills are made of a material that's different than counterfeit because the United States government hasn't made the paper stock of genuine bills available to the wider public. And so any counterfeit bill is going to react differently to this pen. And so James is going to do the exact same thing with wisdom, that when we mark wisdom and we look at what it is made of, we will see two distinct things. He says that genuine wisdom is made of humility, but that counterfeit wisdom is made of pride. That's the material that it's made of. In verse 13, James uses the word meekness to describe the material, the, 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 the article of genuine wisdom. He says, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. And, and I just love how this plays itself out in scripture because this word that's translated meekness is the exact same word that Jesus uses to describe himself in Matthew chapter 21. He says, say to the daughters of Zion, quoting Isaiah, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble, meek, that's that same word, and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a beast of burden. That when Jesus was marching into Jerusalem, knowing that he was going to give his life as a ransom for many sinners, he described himself in this exact same way, humble and meek. And the Apostle Paul in Philippians says that Jesus is the definition of humility. That he completely, joyfully, and sacrificially submitted himself to the will of the Father by making himself a human, a servant, even death on a cross. So that those who are united to him 
If we are united to Christ by faith, the Apostle Paul in Philippians says that we have the ability, the mind of Christ, to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, in meekness, to count others more significant than ourselves. And so it's it's really no surprise, right, that if the origin of wisdom is the person and the work of Christ, then the material of genuine wisdom, what actual wisdom is made of, is going to look just like Jesus. That is what genuine wisdom is made of. But on the other side of that, on the other hand, James says counterfeit wisdom is made of pride. He uses the words bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in verse 14 to describe what counterfeit wisdom is made of. In verse 14 it says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Those words, bitter jealousy, those words selfish ambition, in the Greek those are all tied up with this idea of political factions and power plays. That this is what it is made of. Counterfeit wisdom is all about self-exaltation at any means necessary. And here's the most terrifying thing about counterfeit wisdom. It lies to you. It lies to us. Look in verse 14 again. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, if that's the type of wisdom that you have, do not boast and be false to the truth. It's no surprise that if the origin of counterfeit wisdom is the world, our flesh, and especially the devil, it's no surprise that counterfeit wisdom looks exactly like him. Prideful and arrogant, rebellious against God, while lying to you about that fact. As I was preparing this week and thinking about this dynamic of counterfeit wisdom being not just a lie, but being deceptive because of where it is coming from, it really gave me chills. To think that out in the world, there are Wisdoms that look good and sound good and make sense, and yet they are completely opposed to God. And Jesus isn't going to let us as the church off the hook. In John chapter 8, when he's speaking to the most religious people he knew, the Pharisees, here is what he said to them. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. When he, the devil, speaks, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The reality is that counterfeit wisdom even comes in religious forms that sound right, that, look, that they may look right, but, but because their origin is not Christ and his work, it's completely deceptive and a lie. This really should give us pause, and it, it really should encourage us, as I think James intends, to pick up that dry mark pen that he's giving us and to check everyone in our lives that claims to know what they're talking about and claims to to be wise. Or when we think we've got something figured out, whether it's related to things of religion or if it's related to things of parenting or our work or any aspect of our lives, our unique struggles, 
We need to be taking this dry mark pen and we need to be saying, does this come from Christ? Is this made of the same stuff as Christ? Or is it coming from somewhere else? And is it made of pride and self-exaltation? Because if that is what it is made of, it is going to be very, very deceptive in our lives. So you may not have a, a dry mark pen at your disposal all the time. And that is why people in the United States come in possession of counterfeit money all the time. As I shared earlier on, right, the people who come into the bank or the people that come into retail stores and go to spend counterfeit money, oftentimes they have no idea that they are in possession of that bill. They have been duped into believing that what they have is genuine when in reality what they have is counterfeit. And one of the, one of the great things about working at a bank is that you handle just so much money. It is ridiculous how much money you just have to count every day. And while you may not have a dry mark pen to be able to discern whether or not a bill is counterfeit or not all the time, by feeling and familiarizing yourself with the real, you become really, really good at identifying counterfeit. There are, in fact, ways that you can touch and interact with a $50 or $100 bill that without even having a dry mark, if you just touch and feel those constantly, and then someone puts a counterfeit bill in your hand, you will immediately go, that is not like the real. And James's last question of not just knowing where it, the, the wisdom's origin is or what it is made of, he says you can actually learn to discern it just by knowing what it looks like. In verse 16 and 17, here's what James says. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. James is saying that genuine wisdom looks like holiness. And counterfeit wisdom will look like chaos. Let's unpack that just a little bit here. So James says in verse 17 that the wisdom that is from above, the wisdom that originates in Christ and is made of the same stuff as Christ, that is humility, that wisdom is pure and peaceable and gentle and open to reason, full of mercy, impartial and sincere. See, James draws attention to that word pure right in the beginning. He says, first, it is pure, it is holy. And then he starts to draw out that holy wisdom is not so much about what you know, but wrapped up in how you live. You see that? Peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. We could spend time unpacking all of those words, but I think that what you really see is that those have much more to do with how you are living toward others because of what is in your heart than what you know about the world, about God. Those things matter, but at the heart of genuine wisdom is a way of life, not just correct doctrine. Correct doctrine matters, 
as it flows into a life that is conformed to the image of Christ. But James is significantly drawing attention to the fact that genuine wisdom looks like holiness in the lives of those who possess it. And on the other side, he describes counterfeit wisdom as exactly the opposite. In verse 16, it says, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there's going to be disorder and every vile practice. He says that that the, the mark and characteristics of counterfeit wisdom is going to be chaos and sin. And so if we were to take the characteristics of, of genuine wisdom, right, that we see marked by holiness, and we were to just turn them on their head, this is what counterfeit wisdom looks like. Even with people who, who seem like they know what they're talking about or have it all together, right, if wisdom looks like being confrontational or inconsiderate of others or headstrong or quick to judge, or deeply insincere. These are the marks of someone who is invested not in genuine wisdom that is from God through Christ and marked by humility, made of humility, but is counterfeit wisdom. It is from the world, it's from the flesh, it's from the devil. It's made of pride, and it's working itself out in the world as chaos and sin. In the, in the original Greek, that the words that James uses to describe the holy character of, of genuine wisdom, they're actually a series of alliteration, which I think is really cool. I'm sad that we missed that in the English translation because I think the reason that James ordered them the way that he did as an alliteration is because he wanted his people, he wanted those reading this letter and, and receiving God's word to be able to hide these characteristics in their heart. He wanted them to be easy to remember. And I think that if we're honest, we need to know these characteristics. We need to be familiar with them so that we can discern whether or not the person or the wisdom or ourselves are actually in possession of genuine wisdom or if the wisdom or the person or ourselves are in possession of counterfeit wisdom. Because the reality is, genuine wisdom that comes from Christ ultimately looks like Christ in the world. And so as we're united to Christ by faith, and we share in his life, we are given that same power by the Holy Spirit to live with the wisdom that we need. Even in the midst of confrontation, the Spirit will give us what we need to look like Christ in every circumstance. And so as we come to a close this morning, I think it's really good for us to come back to where James begins in verse 13. He says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Who are you looking to to answer the questions and the struggles that you have in your life, in your work, in your relationships, in the unique struggles that you're going through? Where are you looking? And what type of wisdom are you invested in? Because the reality is, is that if you are invested in counterfeit wisdom, 
the result will be that that sin is going to be exposed. Either now or at the end as counterfeit. And what God does with counterfeit wisdom once it is exposed is he judges it. And he destroys it. And those in possession of counterfeit wisdom are brought to nothing. But to those who, by faith, believe in Christ and his work, who is the wisdom of God, they will be given, as he says at the end in verse 18, a harvest of righteousness. Because in Christ, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he is Christ, wisdom of God, the righteousness of God, the sanctification of God, the redemption of God. And if we cling to that, we will find that the wisdom that we have is not rejected, but is received by God. And so it is my prayer this morning that you would allow the Lord to sift you throughout the week and and to discover whether or not what you're seeking, whether it be online or in a conversation with others or just in counsel with yourself, if what you're seeking to live by is the wisdom that comes from God through Christ. And if not, if you discover that you are actually invested in the world and in your flesh and in the lies of Satan, that you would hear God's word today Him saying, today is the day to reject that counterfeit wisdom in your life and to turn to Christ and to cling to him by faith. Because those who do, as I've already said, will experience a harvest of righteousness and a harvest of peace. And that 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 righteousness and that peace that is ours in Christ will start to work its way out into your life so that your shape, your life is actually shaped by your faith in Christ and not by the world around you. And for those of you that, that, that feel and know and hear this and say, I do cling to Christ and I'm still struggling deeply, I think that what James would be saying to you this morning, what God's word would be revealing to you is the encouragement to stay the course. To not abandon the genuine wisdom in Christ that you have seen. That though the way of the cross is hard, it is worth it. To not heed the counterfeit wisdom of the world, but to be invested by faith in the wisdom of God that we see in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for revealing yourself in the person and the work of Jesus, who is our wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Christ said, in you are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Lord, I pray that as we continue to meditate on what you have been saying to us this morning, that you would reveal to us where we are trusting in counterfeit wisdom and how we can turn to you for forgiveness and for the wisdom that we need in order to live faithfully in the struggles that we have in our lives. 
Thank you for your word and for not leaving us without a testimony of your love and your grace toward us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.